Thank you, Judy. Good morning. morning. It's great to see everybody today. I think it's going to turn into a a nice day and a nice week outside, and I'm so grateful that uh, it's getting a little bit warmer out. Uh, It's it's, uh, ironic that we've been talking about joy and and how the Bible says that we can find a joy and a peace that passes all understanding. I'm a little bit sad today because we're wrapping up the series that we've been in for eight weeks. And it's kind of like I'm also uh, double whammy finishing a book series. Any of you guys like book, read a lot of books? Well, every time I finish a series of books, I get a little sad for a while because those people became my friends for the past few months. And and so kind of double whammy this morning. I I realized I entered the last book of the series that I'm reading right now uh, last night. And so it's like, hmm. All my friends are going away. But I am super excited about next week. And, and um, I, I was reading this week in one of the uh, little the blog things that I wrote. And I came across uh, a little phrase that it, it might just be my favorite new little phrase. Jesus was teaching on prayer. And he said, you're, you're not going to have your prayers answered because of your righteousness. But because of this guy's going to get it answered because of his shameless audacity. What a great phrase. His shameless audacity in just asking and asking and asking. And I just, I love that. Because it's kind of what we're going to be entering into next week and talking about the story of Nehemiah. That's just kind of how he approached life. He had no reason at all to do what he did. But he just, he had this audacity about himself. He viewed himself as essential. And, and, and so, so we're going to spend a few weeks and we're going to unpack that because I just think that's the approach to life, the approach to following Jesus that the world needs right now. It needs followers of Jesus who are just going to stand up and step up and love people regardless of how they're treated. It needs people that are going to get involved and try to make the world a better place, even when there's no seemingly initial benefit to them. And so that's what I'm, I'm, I'm really excited about this. And, uh, uh, but we're going we're, we're gonna to wrap up this series today. And uh, if you've been following along, we've been studying the book of Philippians. And we said that we wanted to do that because at the beginning of the year, there's typically some things that, that we're unhappy about when it comes to ourselves. And so we set these things that, that we call New Year's resolutions. Now, I'm not going to ask if you, if you uh, had some New Year's resolutions, if you're still uh, doing them or not, right? Because those things typically go away pretty quickly. Haley and I were, were, were joking last week. We showed up at the gym, and um, there were all these cars there. And we a little tongue-in-cheek joke. We're like, we were hoping they would stop coming by now, right? Can't get my machine, right? But, but, and, and, but we are happy for them. A little bit that they're sticking, right? But it's it's just it's it's this time of the year that that because you know that, that it's just it's a new beginning, it's a new start, it's a fresh year. We're gonna set some goals and we're gonna try to become something that we haven't been in the past. We're gonna we're we're, we're searching for this elusive, ideal, joy, happiness. And Paul's going to end this uh, this letter with maybe one of the greatest promises in the Bible. Here's what he's going to say in Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. And throughout the whole series, we've been saying that Paul loves to use this kind of absolute language. Right? Here's, here's a, a, a little refresher from, from some of the things that we've looked at so far. In Philippians 1.27, Paul said, 
whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. I don't care what situation you find yourself in. Whatever happens, conduct yourself in, in a manner worthy of the gospel. In Philippians 2.3, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition. Huh. How do you do that? Right? That's extremely unhelpful advice. Right? He says, do nothing. Right? In Philippians 2.14, he says, do everything without grumbling or arguing. Everything? I can't complain a little bit? I have kids. Like, I can't complain a little bit? He says, do nothing without grumbling or arguing. Don't be anxious about anything, right? Don't, just, just stop worrying. Just don't be anxious about anything. It's like, seriously? Who does this? But it's, Paul loves to use this type of language. In Philippians 4.13, he says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Really? I've tried to dunk a basketball, and I believe in Jesus. And those things are just, I mean, it's not... I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But then today, here's what he says. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. So then why do we have so many unmet needs? Why do we have so many unmet needs? If you're, I'm assuming you're like me, I guess I should say and that you've got needs, things that you want, hurts that you have, why does it stay unmet? Or seemingly stay unmet? And what we've been talking about throughout this whole series is that none of this stuff has been like brain surgery. None of it's been like, oh, I never thought of that before. But it's so hard to do the things that he's talking about, even though it's, it's simple. It's so hard to consistently put these things into practice. And if Philippians 4.19, that's the promise that he gives, what we need to go look for is the premise that's attached to it, our part in, 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 in the deal. Right? Because my kids, they enjoy being a part of that, the, the Handler family. There's a benefit that comes to being a part of, of, of our clan. Right? right? We don't have a lot. We've got more than some, less than others, and they've enjoyed what we've been able to build. But every now and then they ask for something that's a little outlandish. They're making eye contact right now because this happened yesterday. <laughs> right? And what there's a certain blessing to being a part of the Handler family as there is to being a part of the Perot family or the Cook family. Right? There's a blessing to being a part of the Martin family. But if they want extra blessings, they've got to do something to be able to get that. Right? If, if he wants the, the ridiculously priced sunglasses that he's looking at, I've got a few jobs around the house that need to be done. And this is what Paul's what he's been trying to communicate throughout this whole series, is that if you're a follower of Jesus, you're in. You're saved. You're going to heaven. But have you noticed that some of the ideals that Paul says, right, like even, even today, right, he talks, right, joy. Have you ever met a grumpy follower of Jesus before? Have you ever been a grumpy follower of Jesus before? 
He says there's something that you have to do to receive the extra blessings that he's talking about in here. Just because you're a follower of Jesus doesn't mean all this stuff, you just you get all this stuff. There's a promise, but there's almost always a premise that's attached to it, or a principle, or something that you have to put into practice. And so I want to back up and I want to read Philippians 4, 14 to 19, so we can begin to unpack what is this principle that God that Paul's talking about that says, this is how you get all your needs met. So Philippians 4. 14. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I sat out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the manner of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent aid to me more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment, and I, excuse me, and have more than enough. I'm amply supplied. Now that I've received from E, I'm not going to try again, the gifts you sent, they are a fragrant offering an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all of your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. He says, if you want to be someone who has this type of joy, that is someone who finds and they go, I don't understand it, but it just, it feels like my I don't have, I, I'm not needing anything. Paul's saying, I'm in prison. You're in prison and you don't need anything? He goes, I'm finding myself in a place to where I should be discouraged. And I'm not. I'm finding myself to where I, I should be throwing a pity party. I should be worried. And I'm not. I'm finding myself in a situation to where everyone else seems hopeless. And I'm not. What is it? What is it that's preventing me from filling at need? And today, what Paul's word for us is to become a generous person. He says, when you're generous, there's something about you giving things away that allows God to be able to give you more than you had in the first place. That when you give away your resources, your time, your energy, that all of a sudden you find yourself in abundance of, of, of when, when you didn't have that much to begin with. Right? The Bible calls this the principle of sowing and reaping. That whenever you sow, there's something that's going to come back to you. And, 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 and what's, what's uh, really unique about the Philippian church is that Paul loves to brag on this church. In in, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, here's what he tells the Corinthian church about what's happened in the lives of the Philippian church. He says, I want you to know, or excuse me, I want you to know about the church at Philippi's generosity. Even while suffering 
and severe trials and extreme poverty, their lives have overflowed with joy. He says they are some of the poorest people I've ever had the opportunity to work with. They're going through it. There's some, there's, they're, 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 being, they're being persecuted. They're being attacked for their faith. They're going through some severe trials right now. And it says their lives have overflowed with joy because of their amazing generosity. He goes, I personally witnessed their giving, not simply giving what they could afford, but beyond even their human ability. Somehow, they were able to give more than what they have. I don't understand that. I don't know how that happens. But he goes, somehow, he goes, I, he goes, I, I, I love, he goes, I personally witnessed. He goes, I I watched, he goes, it's not a myth, it's not a legend. He goes, I watched this happen. No one told them to do it. It was due to their own generous hearts. In fact, they begged and pleaded for the privilege of giving to serve God's people. And they gave in a way that we did not expect. They, gave, they, they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. That's what pleases God. Paul's trying to get the Corinthian church to understand. He goes, look, I know you guys have been going through it. You guys have had a hard time. You guys aren't experiencing the joy that God has to offer. Let me tell you about this other church. He goes, they were able to give. He goes, I I watched them give things that they didn't have to give, and it doesn't make sense. But because of that, their, their lives have overflowed with joy. Can God brag about your generosity? Can Paul, would Paul be able to brag about your generosity? That when they, that when someone looks at you, they go, they just, they always show up. They're very giving of their time. They're giving of their, their energy. They're giving of their resources. They're giving of, of words of encouragement. I love when I get to see them because they're so encouraging to me. Could, could, could God or, or Paul brag about your generosity? They're such a loving person. They're such a caring person. See, there's, uh, there's lots of ways, uh, uh, lots of, like, there's, uh, whenever somebody says that there's, there's two types of people, I tend to roll my eyes because you can say that pretty much about anything. But, 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 but like, are, are, you can really only be a giver or taker in life. Are you somebody who's going to be known as a giver? Because Paul says that's the path that leads to joy. See, that's not the message that we receive. When you flip on your phone or you watch TV, it's get this and get this and get this. Get a bigger pile than all your neighbors. Get a shinier pile than all your neighbors. Right? And, and Paul goes, not going to work. The way to get happy, the way to find joy, the way to find a peace that passes understanding, the way to, uh, to find the security that Christ offers, he goes, it's through generosity. It's through giving. And if you want to be happy, it's a habit that you've got to learn to develop. See, here's what the, the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 11:17: Those who are kind benefit themselves. 
That doesn't seem right, does it? But he goes, those who are kind, they, 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 they don't just benefit them. Because they benefit themselves. Right? You've noticed that. You've showed up to work grumpy before. And then all of a sudden, everybody's in a bad mood. And it did nobody any good for you to bring whatever it was. Paul goes, or the writer of Proverbs goes, if you're kind, you're going to get a blessing from that as well. It's going to bless you. Your generosity, your kindness will come back to you. You're going to reap what you sow. You're going to get what you give. If you're somebody that encourages people and gives praise to people, you're going to get that back. If you're somebody that always shows up when somebody needs something, they're going to give that back to you when you need something. But if you're somebody who always gives out gossip, guess what you're going to get back? If they're willing to talk about them with you, they're willing to talk about you with them. You're going to get that back as well. So what you decide to give is so important. Paul says, be generous with the things that your Heavenly Father has given you. Now what we're going to do is we're going to look at six benefits to giving, six promises that God gives us, and they're going to be kind of mixed throughout the book of Philippians. Paul, through the whole letter, he's going, you'll be happy if you do this. You'll be happy if you do this. But here's what he says. Here's, here's, here's our first one. We're going to be, I'm just going to read a couple of uh, phrases out of uh, Philippians 4, um, part of verse 10, part of verses 14 to 16, part of 18. Just listen. He says, how grateful I am to know and how I praise the Lord that you are helping me again. It was good that you helped me when I needed it. You Philippians were the only ones who gave me financial help when I brought you the good news. No other church did this. You sent me aid again and again when I was in need. I, so I am generously supplied with the gifts that you sent me. The first benefit Paul says that you get, the first way that God's able to flip this around and make you happy for being generous, he says, is that when you're generous, you earn the gratitude of other people. You earn people's gratitude. They look at you differently when you're generous. It puts a smile on their face when you show up. And if you think about it, the people that you're the most grateful for in your life are the people that invested something into your life. Right? A lot of you guys remember right, a coach that you had or a teacher that you had or somebody, maybe it was a grandparent, right? and they just loved you and they cared for you and they spent time with you. They picked you up when you fell down. Right? That's who you're the most grateful for in your life. It was somebody who was super generous with you and they didn't have to be. See, when you're a giver, your esteem goes up, your reputation goes up, your likability goes up. And Paul's been saying this through the whole letter. Right? I'm going to read a couple of verses out of uh, Philippians chapter 1. Paul says, every time I think of you, I give thanks to God. He goes, when I look out or somebody mentions your name or somebody mentions your church, he goes, I just, I'm just, I just, I'm overwhelmed with gratitude. And I just thank God that he brought you into my life. He goes, because you guys have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ. It's right that I should feel as I do about all of you. 
you've got a very special place in my heart. We've shared together the blessings of God. Is anyone grateful for your generosity? Right? You know how you said, you know how we said that there's people that, that, that you're grateful for, the people that invested in you. But as you look out, is there anybody that goes, that I, 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 they're grateful for what you've done in their life, for the investment that you've made in their life? This is what Paul's talking about. Because if you want to be happy, if you want to find this kind of joy, you've got to learn to be a generous person. You've got to learn to begin to, to invest in other people. I've, he goes, you will earn the gratitude of others, and that will make you more joyful. But then here's what he says in, in Philippians 1.10. Paul's talking to him and he's writing and he goes, I want you guys to understand what matters most. He says, it's not just that you're going to earn the gratitude of other people. The second gift that God gives you, the second promise that God gives you whenever you begin to become a grateful person is that it reveals what's most important to you. This is a benefit unto yourself. I thought that people were most important, but actually what I'm realizing selfish. It's stuff. It's things. He says, whenever you are generous, it shows what you value. Are you somebody that values things or people? How does it show? See, I, I would imagine that if you were asked, right, what's most important to you, right, you would talk about it in budgeting terms, right? This is my projected, it's obviously my family, it's obviously my friends. It's obvious. But if someone flipped it around and did the counting of it, the back end of it, not just what you say should be, but they looked at what actually happened, where'd your resources go? Where'd your time, your energy, your money, your attention? Did they go to the people that you, that you say matter most? Or did they go to your hobby? Did they go to your TV? Did they, did, they, did, they, did, they, did, they, did they go to your family? Did they go to your friends? What matters most in your life? Jesus said, wherever you place your money reveals your heart. You get to pick it. When I'm generous, it shows what matters to me. Jesus said, a man's life doesn't consist of the abundance of stuff. Spend your whole life getting a bigger and bigger and bigger pile and end up lonely. Nobody's showing up at your funeral. He says, it, your generosity, it reveals something about you. Paul says this in Philippians 3.7. He says, all the things I thought were so very important, I now consider worthless because of Christ. He goes, I was pursuing everything that, that the world tells me I should pursue, that the, that, the, that the TV tells me I should pursue. More stuff, shinier stuff, the best degree, right? the, uh, the best reputation, uh, the best organization to be a part of. Paul goes, that's what I was pursuing. I was trying to be a Pharisee. Or he goes, excuse me, I was a Pharisee. I was pursuing uh, an extremely extremist part of it so that people would look at me with more uh, awe. Goes, and I didn't get where I was trying to go. He says, I now consider all that 
worthless. Someone once said that, that you can love people and use things, or you can use people and love things. We get to make that choice. See, I think, and, and sometimes I hear people, you know, you, you see stories or they like to, to dramatize this on TV, somebody having like a midlife crisis. And whenever you look at it, it's never somebody who loved somebody, who loved people. It's always somebody that was materialistic and they were trying to accumulate more and more and more. And the problem with that is, what's the meaning of life? If you're trying to accumulate, there's always something more to accumulate. You're never going to fill that desire. But if you love people and you invest in people and they turn that around and they love and invest in you, there's no hole to fill anymore. Paul says your generosity, it reveals something about you. And every time you're generous, I, you earn the gratitude of others and you show what you value most. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 1.11. Here's, it's, it's, this is the good news translation. He says that your lives will be filled with the truly good qualities which only Jesus Christ can produce. It's our third idea. Whenever you're generous, you become more like Jesus. He says that happens when you're generous, that there are certain qualities that only Jesus Christ can produce. Jesus, by essence, he was a giver. Like the essence of our Heavenly Father is to give. And often, it's things that we take for granted. We get to wake up every day and go, there's no shortage of oxygen. Right? We get to wake up every day and there's, there's most days there's sunlight. Right? And in the winter, I'm extremely grateful for the sunlight. But in the summer, eh, take that for granted. I forget the good things that God's given me. Sometimes I'll get this little chip on my shoulder and God, I built this, right? When I talk about my business, right? And then and, 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 and I have to remember who gave me the ability to, to build? Who gave me the ability to talk, to be persuasive? Well, I thought all this. Who gave me the ability? Who gave you the ability to think? And Paul says that when you are a giver, like your heavenly father is a giver, it makes you more like Jesus. It makes you more joyful. See, when you tell somebody that you love them, have you ever had somebody tell you that, that, that they loved you and you thought, I'm not so sure about that? Because they've never done anything for you before. Right? As much as we say that we're not conditional lovers, right? Well, you know, you love people, right? You spell, we spell love, G-I-V-E. It might be money, it might be time, it might just be affection, whatever it is. But you spell love, G-I-V-E. You know how you spell lust? G-E-T. Lust is about getting something, and if you're only interested in yourself, the Bible would say that you struggle with lust. But when you love somebody, you freely give to them. You become more like Jesus. Paul says this in Philippians 2, 4, and 5. Don't just look out for your own interests, but look also to the interest of others. He says your attitude should be the same as Christ Jesus. 
change yourself. He says, become a giver. It will make you more like Jesus. Maybe more so than anything else. Every time I'm generous, I earn the gratitude of others. I show what I value most. I become more like Jesus. And then here's the fourth one. I strengthen my faith. When I give to you, my faith in Jesus gets stronger. Think about this. If you've only got a little bit of money and you use it to bless someone and then God bless you with more than what you were able to give away, you will become a testimony unto yourself. I saw, like Paul was telling the Corinthian church, I saw this happen. It's not, I'm not making this stuff up. Every time you've got a little bit of energy, right? How do you get more energy? You don't get it by laying around on the couch, right? If you want more energy, you expend the energy that you have, and then your body, God, gives you more energy. And if you let over a period of time, you end up like the energizer. You got all kinds of this energy that's just flowing out of you. Right? It's the same principle. If you want to get bigger, you want to go to the gym, you want to lift weights, you've got to use the strength that you have, and then you get more strength. Your muscles get bigger. You get stronger. You want more, uh, uh, <coughs> you want more time. Right? This is the one to where it doesn't make sense to me. But I've seen this. This is my testimony unto myself, because when you hired me, one of the questions that was asked by the group was, how are you going to do everything that you do? You do a lot. And I agree. It doesn't make sense. And what was asked was, what happens when, when, when you drop? Right? Because at the time, we were coaching a traveling team. We were running a business, pastoring two churches. How are you going to do all that? I don't know. What happens when you drop something? I'll apologize. That's all I can do. And I'll pick it back up. And somehow, we've been able to, do, able to do everything that we said. I got a little bit of time. I try to give it away. And I somehow have time to do everything that I say that I'm going to. Don't, I don't get it. It doesn't make any sense. When Kim and I were first married, we've tr we, tried to be, we tried to be generous, and we didn't make very much money. The numbers don't add up when you go back and look at how much we made in the course of a year and what our, even just what our simple bills would cost, much less anything else that we got to do. It does not add up. But in God's economy, he says, when you give the little bit that you have, you get more back in return. Jesus called this principle storing up treasures. Oh, excuse me. We'll get to that in just a second. Getting ahead of myself. Here's what Paul says in Philippians 4.6. Do not worry about anything. That little bit of stuff that you have, he says, don't worry about anything. Don't worry about it. Instead, pray and ask God for everything that you need. Always giving thanks. He goes, whatever you decide that you're not going to worry about what you have, but you're going to be generous with it, your faith will get stronger. Every time you're generous, you earn the gratitude of others. You show what you value most. You become more like Jesus. It strengthens your faith. And the fifth one is, I, you invest in your eternal home. And Jesus called this idea storing up treasures in heaven. You can't take it with you, but you can send it on ahead. That's what Jesus is saying. You can decide, am I going to build a pile of stuff here, or am I going to do it in heaven? 
and you're going to spend a lot more time there. In verse Philippians 4.17, Paul says this, Though I appreciate your gifts, what makes me the happiest? It's the well-earned gift you are going to receive because of your generosity. Another translation says, I want you to have the profit that accrues to your account. Another translation says, I want you to receive the blessings that come from giving. Paul says when you are a generous person, it's like you're the, you're the bank handing out and you're going to receive back with interest. I don't think I've ever seen this next verse before, but I found this, this uh, very telling. Here's what, here's what the writer of Proverbs says in Proverbs 19.17. He who gives to the poor will be considered a loan to the Lord, and the Lord always repays. What a promise that is. That when you're generous, how God looks at that is him giving you a loan to give to them, and what you have in absence because you gave it, God says, I'm going to make sure that you get that back. Paul tells Timothy, give happily to those in need and always be ready to share whatever God's given you. By doing this, you're storing up, here it is again, real treasure for yourself in heaven. It's the only safe investment for eternity. He says, when you become a giver, you are giving yourself something in the next life. You're investing in your future. Every time you give, every time you're generous, you earn the gratitude of others, you show what you value most, you become more like Jesus, you strengthen your faith, you invest in your eternal home, and then here's the last one. You make God smile. It makes God happy with you. I love when my kids get along. It doesn't happen often. But I love when it happens. I love when they're generous with each other. Uh, we were watching, uh, Willow was having a moment last night and there was tears and stuff. And Gwenny went up to her and gave her a little hug. Oh, it just made me smile. And that's what happens to your Heavenly Father when you're generous with the people that are around you that need something. It makes your heavenly father smile. Here's what he says in verse 18. Your gifts are like a fragrant offering to God. A sacrifice that God accepts. And it's pleasing to him. When you come around selfish people, people that aren't generous, that you know that they could help, and there's, nah, I'm not, does that make, right, you're not even a part of the situation. Does that make you happy or does it make you sad? But Paul says when we're generous, it makes our heavenly Father happy. Now, everything that we've talked about so far, that's the principle. That's the premise. God says, be generous. And if you are generous, you earn the gratitude of others. You show what you value most. You become more like Jesus. You strengthen your faith. You invest in your home, eternal home. You make God smile. For those reasons alone, why wouldn't you be generous?
But then here's the promise he makes that we started with. Then my God will meet all of your needs in Christ Jesus. Then my God will meet all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. That's where you find happiness. That's where you find the ability to rejoice when it doesn't make sense. That's where you find contentment when you should be freaking out. Then my God will meet all of your glorious, all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, today, we've said this a bunch of times, God, that this doesn't make any sense, God. And it doesn't make any sense because it's not the message that we're told. We're not taught this. What's ingrained in us is something completely different, God. But help us to learn to trust your wisdom. Help us to learn to become givers and not takers. Because you say that's the way to a blessed life. That's the way to a life where we can find joy and happiness and peace and contentment when it doesn't make any sense that we should have those. God, give us the strength to step into a life that doesn't make any sense. God, we love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.